Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,273 with a release date of Friday, May 21st, 2021 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. China lands a rover on Mars. An Amateur Radio Foundation helps a prominent academic resource and battery technology takes a big leap forward in Australia. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2,273 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's independent weekly amateur radio news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Picayune, Mississippi, here is Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. For our top story this week, we look skyward. Hams and others with an amateur interest in astronomy have been tracking the journey of the rover that China sent to Mars. It landed there recently, and Paul Brown, WD9GCO, picks up the story with this update. Although the China National Space Administration remained tight-lipped about its Tianwen-1 mission, which landed that nation's first rover on Mars, amateur astronomers had been monitoring the spacecraft's signals intensely. They were listening for encouraging signs regarding the deployed capsule that was carrying the rover Zhurong to the planet's surface. The Chinese rover's arrival on May 15th, which was Friday, May 14th in the U.S., follows the arrival of the American's Perseverance rover in February. While Zhurong goes about its business on the surface of Mars, the Chinese orbiter will be relaying signals between ground controllers in China and the rover. Zhurong is equipped with cameras, a magnetic field detector, ground-penetrating radar, and a weather station. Having landed on Mars, China's next venture into space will be sending three astronauts to the nation's new space station. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Paul Brown, WD9GCO. In the U.S., an unprecedented grant from a major foundation that supports experimentation in amateur radio has helped save an important tool on one prominent college campus. Cell Emby, KB3TZD, has that report. Amateur radio generosity has played a major role in saving an important part of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. A beloved part of the campus skyline, the Radar Dome, or Radome as it's known, has been spared thanks to a student-led fundraising campaign and an unprecedented grant from the nonprofit foundation Amateur Radio Digital Communications. ARDC has provided $1.6 million, the largest gift in its history, to replace the aging fiberglass radome and renovate the 18-foot-wide steerable parabolic dish it houses. The radome and dish were to be removed permanently to enable new roofing to be installed on the campus's tallest building, which has been its home since 1966. The fiberglass radome and its dish, which were once used for weather research, have been used most recently by the MIT Radio Society, W1MX, for microwave experiments, moon bounce communication, and other radio-related activities. According to the MIT website, it most recently took on a new role beyond contacts with deep space lunar CubeSats and low Earth orbit satellites. During the pandemic, it also allowed students to conduct radio astronomy experiments remotely. ARDC Director Bob McGuire, N4HY, issued a statement saying, We hope this contribution helps get the message out that ARDC is excited to support amateur radio and digital communications projects of all sizes, including big ones, especially when the results will be so long-lasting. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Sel Embi, KB3TZD. A noted radio amateur known throughout Macedonia for his longevity on the air has become a silent key. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us about him. The amateur radio community in Macedonia has lost its most senior member, Mile Sekulovsky, Z31JY, who became a silent key recently at the age of 95. 
Millet was widely admired and respected for his proficiency in CW, which he sharpened up during a World War II military telegraphy course. According to his biography on the webpage of the Radio Amateur Society of Macedonia, he worked for the post office as a telegraph operator after the war and later became employed as a telegrapher in civil aviation. He was also a dedicated home brewer of electronic keys, transmitters, receivers, antennas and linear amplifiers. According to his QRZ page, Millet, who was active on the air even into his later years, was the first ham in the former Yugoslavia to receive the individual call sign YU5JY in 1950. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. If you're a portable operator always on the lookout for changing battery technology, this new development from Australia might make you stop and think. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us about it. A manufacturer here in Brisbane, Australia, is claiming to have created an aluminium iron battery with a charging speed as much as 60 times faster than that of top quality lithium iron cells. The company, Graphene Manufacturing Group, also says the newly developed aluminium ion coin cell is capable of holding three times the energy of other aluminium based cells. The batteries are said to last three times longer than the lithium ion variety. This development relies on nanotechnology developed at the University of Queensland, according to a recent article in Forbes magazine. The battery was created by inserting aluminium atoms into perforations made in graphene planes. The company claims that because the batteries lack an upper ampere limit that would otherwise cause spontaneous overheating, the batteries are also safer. The stable base materials also facilitate their recycling later. This company hopes to bring these cells to market by the end of 2021 or early 2022. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. With eyeball QSOs becoming less likely during the past pandemic year, hams have relied on different ways to get together when they're not on the air. Dave Parks, WB8ODF, tells us about an international group that employs a unique hybrid, a voice and video that taps into the internet. The friendships that amateur radio operators form over the air have taken on a new dimension for the 240 or so hams in 45 nations who belong to HamCam International. These licensed amateurs contact each other using streaming video over internet protocol or SVOIP using a streaming video system known as Jitsi. Murray Green, K3BEQ, one of the core members, told Newsline, quote, These dedicated amateurs have the best of two worlds. They not only communicate with each other by voice, but have the added benefit of video, and that makes a big difference in bonding with each other. End quote. By adding video, the hams can visit one another's shacks, tour parts of one another's countries, and have more personalized discussions about their other ham activities such as DXing, contesting, digital communications, and satellites. He said that this has given an especially big advantage to hams who live in neighborhoods with antenna restrictions or have financial issues that preclude them from setting up a home station capable of DX. It's a cultural exchange featuring amateurs from the U.S., Africa, Isle of Man, Kuwait, Australia, Europe, Israel, and elsewhere, having roundtable discussions on a daily basis. Membership is free to licensed amateurs. Additional details can be found at hamcaminternational.com. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Dave Parks, WB8ODF. 
A Michigan library, a Long Island, New York Boy Scout district, and an Ohio high school are among the nine organizations chosen by Amateur Radio on the International Space Station to begin the planning process for students to make contact with crew members on the ISS between January and June of next year. The successful applicants are Bellefontaine High School in Bellefontaine, Ohio, Carter G. Woodson Middle School in Hopewell, Virginia, Lewis Center for Educational Research in Apple Valley, California, Matinecock District of the Suffolk County, New York Boy Scouts in Medford, New York, McBride High School in Long Beach, California, Old St. Mary's School in Chicago, Salem South Lyon District Library in South Lyon, Michigan, Sussex County Charter School for Technology in Sparta, New Jersey, and the Space Hardware Club in Huntsville, Alabama. Their selection means each group must now present an equipment plan to ARIS technical team describing how they'll successfully host the contact. ARIS will then select the final organizations for the contacts and place them on the schedule. Meanwhile, the interoperable radio system aboard the International Space Station is active in crossband repeater mode through mid-June, according to the ARIS website. The radio will be turned off on the 2nd of June during the Russians' EVA. The crossband repeater operates on an uplink of 145.990 with a 67 hertz tone and a downlink of 437.800 megahertz. In mid-June, the radio will change to the automatic packet reporting system mode. Aeros spokesman Dave Jordan, AA4KN, told Newsline that since the interoperable radio system is considered an experiment, modes in use are subject to change. It's time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the KD5DMT Benton County Radio Operators Repeater System in Arkansas on Saturdays at 1900 Central Time during the Infonet. Disasters can and do strike at all times of the year. In one rural region of Virginia, radio operators have developed a plan that musters enough communication strength to cover the emergency needs of four rural counties. For that report, we turn to Christian Kudnick, K0STH. The group of hams is small, but their agenda is ambitious. They're organizing so they can assist with hazard mitigation in four small counties located less than 75 miles southeast of Washington, D.C., In this mostly rural area, hurricanes, ice storms, and flooding are all realities, as is the Lake Anna Nuclear Power Plant. R3MCOM, as this startup group is known, has a core group of about a dozen volunteers working closely together. Many are also members of the Culpeper Amateur Radio Association. Their goal is to keep an eye on Culpeper, Orange, Madison, and Rappahannock counties. Program Director for Administration Mike Murphy, KD7PUF, told Newsline that members are asked to use the ARIES taskbook as a guide in their planning, but adapt it to the special needs of their communities. Mike said, quote, We want to reinvent what we do, providing service, education, and training to a larger community than just those who want to be hams, end quote. Toward this end, the group has also begun working with Culpeper County Civil Defense. With the help of Al Swan, KN4AAA, in that office, the HAMS hope to coordinate the radio operators using FRS, MERS, and GMRS systems. The group also has the support of Ed Gibbs, KW4GF, Assistant Section Manager for the ARRL in Virginia, who has been with them since the earliest planning began two years ago. Mike said, quote, We are learning one day at a time and hoping to grow. End quote. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Christian Kudnick, K0STH. 
The Post and Telecom Administration in Iceland has set Saturday, June 5th as the date for the next amateur radio licensing exam. The agency put it on the schedule at the request of Iceland's National Amateur Radio Society, which had to delay its teaching sessions this past spring as a result of the COVID-19 restrictions. Test preparation was able to resume earlier this month to get candidates ready for the exams, which most likely will be held at Reykjavik University. Hams, start your engines, or at least your rigs. There's a special event getting underway for the big car races in Indianapolis, and Jack Parker, W8ISH, has those details. When it comes to special events, the W9IMS special event station for the Indianapolis 500-mile race is second to none. For the 18th year in a row, the W9IMS team is tuning up and listening for contacts for the three Indianapolis races. The amateur radio race team will be active on 20 and 40 meters for the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race May 30th. They'll be on the air beginning May 23rd through race day. The eager guys and girls just finished a week logging contacts for the IndyCar Grand Prix. In August, they will fire up the radios for another week of sideband contacts leading up to the Brickyard 400. Making contact with the W9IMS Special Event Station will get you an original designed QSL card. If you make contact for each race, you are also eligible for a special race certificate. For more details, check out W9IMS on QRZ.com. Reporting from Indianapolis, home of the famed two-and-a-half-mile oval, this is Jack Parker, W8ISH. The organizers of the next QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo are looking for radio operators with tips to share to help beginners sharpen their operating skills or to learn the basics of building. The online expo will take place August 14th and 15th, and presenters are needed. Each presenter will be able to create a pre-recorded lecture, which will be added to the virtual platform for playback during the event. Speakers will then be available in a moderated Zoom room afterward for a question and answer period. To submit an application, visit QSOTodayHamExpo.com. The application deadline is June 15th. A transatlantic beacon has gone on the air in Ireland. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us more about that. A two-meter, two-way transatlantic beacon has completed its on-air trial period and is now on the air with the call sign EI2DKH. The beacon is operated by Tony Baldwin, EI8JK, in County Cork, Ireland. With antennas beaming due west, the 50-watt beacon transmits on 144.488 MHz every even minute and listens for replies on 144.120 MHz every odd minute. At least one other beacon on the other side of the Atlantic is set up to be in listening mode for Tony's beacon. It's in St. John's, Newfoundland and has the call sign VO1FN. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. In the world of DX, Ken, LA7GIA, the co-leader of the Three Yankees Zero Juliet Bouvet Island D-Expedition, reports on the group's Facebook page that the D-Expedition has received a record $10,000 equivalent in U.S. currency from the German DX Foundation. The group is planning its activation of the coveted DX entity in 2023. Elsewhere, be listening for Marius, ON4RU, stroke OQ3R, who will be in Martinique using the call sign FM stroke OQ3R between the 23rd of May and the 5th of June. Be listening on 160 through 10 meters where he'll be using CW only. You can also listen for him as TO3F during the CQ Worldwide WPX CW contest on the 29th and 30th of May. QSL both call signs via ON4RU direct. 
And Phil, KC3CIB expects to activate Shelter Island in Juneau, Alaska for a fishing trip between the 29th and 31st of May. Be listening on the HF bands or he'll be operating mainly using the digital modes, QSL via EQSL or direct. And finally, the hams know how to party or what? Well, if you're turning 163 years of age, as the state of Minnesota just did here in the U.S., you definitely want amateur radio to be a part of the festivities. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us how it happened. What if you could have a birthday party with an unlimited guest list? Well, if you're the state of Minnesota and the party hosts are members of the Southeast Metro Amateur Radio Club in Cottage Grove, it's easy. The hams got on the air from a public park in Stillwater on Tuesday, May 11th to mark Minnesota's 163rd birthday, and they partied like it was 1858, the year Congress gave the territory its statehood. Stillwater is considered to be the birthplace of Minnesota, the nation's 32nd state. Special event station W0M received birthday greetings on behalf of Minnesota from hams around the U.S. and Canada. No one sang happy birthday. You can't have music on amateur radio after all. But 20 and 40 meters were lighting up with well wishes while the operators enjoyed a view of the scenic St. Croix River from the park. Ordinarily, a birthday party calls for cutting the cake. But someone, a local resident, according to a newspaper report, accidentally cut down the antenna instead. The news report said the person mistakenly believed the thin wire had become caught in the park's fencing. A quick fix, with the help of a slingshot, put the party back into action until 2100 UTC. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. This is an important reminder that we are fast approaching the May 31st deadline to nominate the next Bill Pasternak WA6ITF Memorial Amateur Radio Newsline Young Ham of the Year. Time is running out. If you know a dedicated radio operator, 18 or younger, who embodies the spirit of experimentation, community service, and communication, they're eligible. Think of nominating them for this honor. The award will be presented in August at the Huntsville Ham Fest. Candidates should be living in the United States, its possessions, or any Canadian province. Downloadable forms are available on our website, arnewsline.org. With thanks to Amateur News Weekly, ARDC, ARIS, the ARRL, Amateur Radio Digital Communications, CNET, CQ Magazine, David Behar, K7DB, DX World, Forbes, Gazette Newspaper, Ohio Pen DX Newsletter, QSO Today, QRZ.com, Radio Amateur Society of Macedonia, Radio Society of Great Britain, R3MCOM, Southeast Metro Amateur Radio Club, Southgate Amateur Radio News, shortwaveradio.de, Space Flight Now, Ted Randall's QSO Radio Show, WTWW Shortwave, the Wireless Institute of Australia, YouTube, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. Please send emails to our address at newsline at arnewsline.org. More information is available at Amateur Radio Newsline's only official website at arnewsline.org. Be sure to follow some of these stories as they get a more in-depth look on the YouTube channel of 100 Watts and a Wire. Search for the video segment with the title, Two Stories. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Don Wellbanks, AE5DW in Picayune, Mississippi, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2021. All rights are reserved.